Hello and welcome to Great Ridge Station. I'm your host, Sam Helgerson, and I'm pretty much a fixture around these parts. Thanks for stopping in on your way through. Season 3, Episode 6. the people in your neighborhood, in your neighborhood, in your neighborhood. Say, who are the people in your neighborhood, the people that you meet each day? Excuse me, sir. Thanks to Bob McGrath and Children's Television Workshop for that clip. Knowing the people in your neighborhood is a good strategy for leaders to adopt. Now, when I say neighborhood, I mean it in the sense of community, the people we find ourselves with on a regular basis. These are our friends, our coworkers, the people we lead, and the people that we serve. Now, over the next few minutes, I'm going to help you think about the people in your neighborhood. You know, the people that you meet each day. This episode is based in part on a seminar that I did back in 2014 for a regional meeting of a professional organization, and I'm including this here because I think you'll find that this distilled version of that information is pretty helpful. Which reminds me, I still get a chance to speak from time to time and present and facilitate, so if you're interested in having me present and engage your team, whether that's a professional organization, company leaders, strategic planning, task force, or a church group, please reach out to me, ljhelgerson at ymail.com. You'll find my information on the show page. If you're going to lead effectively, you have to get to know the people in your neighborhood. I'll talk more about this in the next episode, but I need to mention it here. I'm going to give you some guidelines to think about, but this is no substitute for getting to know the real people in your neighborhood by name. First, though, I'm going to give you a framework that will help you lead real people more effectively by recognizing one element of how they're wired up. I'm going to talk about some groups that people typically fall into. You know what I mean. Uh, The better sentence structure is the groups into which people typically fall, but that's going too far. So here are the groups we're going to look at for the purposes of this episode. Creators, critics, sustainers, collectors, joiners, spectators, and inactives. Now, I feel like I need to include some legal fine print. These are not the only groups that you will run into, and none of these groups are pure to type. People are just too brilliantly complex to fit neatly into any category. But these are helpful frames to develop our understanding. They are not unbreakable rules. So let's look at each of these separately. Creators, critics, sustainers, collectors, joiners, spectators, and inactives. First, the creators. These are people who generally make something out of nothing. They are the doers who dash on past the folks who say it can't be done, and, well, they get it done. Creators are the makers, the artists, the musicians, of course, but there's far more to this category. These are the entrepreneurs. Years ago, I had some interaction with a fellow who could only be called a serial entrepreneur. He would get an idea for a company, go out, get it started, and then hire other people to run it. He created thousands of jobs. Now, in an organization, the creators are the ones who get ideas and run with them. They design events, retreats, Christmas parties, and they do so 
at only the faintest hint of encouragement, and they're off and running. You cannot squeeze the creative drive out of a creator. It is how they live, breathe, and find meaning in their work. Occasionally, you'll hear a creator say, but I'm not that creative. Usually, they mean that in in an artistic sense. They're not a painter. They're not a sculptor. They're not a musician. They're not a poet. Creators create a lot of things in a lot of ways, and not all of them are artistic or involve what they used to call creative juice. If you've ever done something simply because they said it couldn't be done, or if you created an event out of nothing but an idea, well, probably you're a creator. The next group we have to deal with are the critics. Ah, yes, the critics. If you're a creator, you're probably not a great fan of the critic, but... If you are a critic, you are convinced that they serve a vital role. In all seriousness, the idea of criticism has taken on a whole lot of negative meanings these days. And we think about it much like the old Monty Python skit. I want to have an argument. No, you don't. Critics are not necessarily the ones who take the contrarian view, although it often looks that way and feels that way. Critics tend to look for weaknesses and point them out. My favorite critic story dates all the way back to 1977. Back then, there were two dominant news magazines, Newsweek and Time. Well, there was this new movie that came out then, and I think the title was Star Wars or something like that. And Newsweek published an unfavorable review, stating that the plot was weak and predictable, the acting was merely adequate, and the characters were uncreative. All true from a technical perspective. One week later, Time Magazine gave it the front page and said, Star Wars is the movie of the year. Well, a week after that, Newsweek fell in line and published a more favorable review of the film. Now, in the years since, I've thought about what happened there, and I suspect that Newsweek's initial review was largely accurate. But what they failed to recognize was the cultural shift that the film represented and the way that it would strike a nerve in a society that was desperately in need of some heroes. Mind you, the film came out just a handful of years after President Nixon's resignation, and it gave it a much-needed mythology of hope. Yes, there will always be critics, and when your work and leadership gets criticized, you need to think about two things, the truth in the criticism and what can I learn from this critic. Sometimes the answer to those questions is nothing. No truth, nothing to learn. But that's not always the case. Take the time to listen to your detractors. If nothing else, it's valuable humility training. The next group is the sustainers. These people are the workhorses for keeping things on track. Mixed metaphor. They're often models of efficiency, but not always. The best way to define this group is through one of my famous sayings, creators are rarely sustainers. The fellow that I mentioned as a serial entrepreneur was fantastic at coming up with new ideas and launching new organizations, but he had no interest and no ability in keeping those organizations running. He hired sustainers to keep his companies going once they were up and off the ground. See, that's the great value of sustainers. They could keep things going on, even doing the same kinds of things day in and day out. The best sustainers are the sort who can keep processes running while still being able to troubleshoot problems as they come up. 
Well, the next group is the collectors. Now, when we hear a word like a collector, we think of artifacts like a collection of knickknacks, books, music, whatever. Well, that's a little bit of this mindset, but only a little. Collectors are the people who like to gather up new skills or knowledge. And if there's new software to be learned, they volunteer. If there's training being offered, they're the first to sign up. They gather expertise, knowledge, and skills because they see it as their competitive advantage. And so it is. They're eager to step into the new in most circumstances. Now, in a lot of ways, collectors have a lot in common with creators. Now, I don't mean this harshly, so hear this kindly. Creators have more courage. Collectors have more caution. That's important, though, because the collector's natural tendency to manage risk can be a positive trait in uncertain times. Their collecting always has a value in mind. It has to fit certain parameters, and those parameters tend to define the limits of the collection, and usually to very specific terms. They're in as long as something fits their instincts and preferences as a collector. Now, our next group are the joiners. Now, I had several different things written down to start this section and illustrate the idea, and I realized that nothing I wanted to say sounded very charitable. <laughs> Sorry about that. You remember when you were a kid and you said you wanted to do something because your friends were all doing that? And your mom would say something like, if all your friends wanted to jump off a cliff, would you do that? The joiner would say, well, yeah, and be surprised that mom thought that that was odd. See, the jump off a cliff reference was less aggressive than it sounded. It was a reference to lemmings and that theory that lemmings all go together. Well, joiners are not the initiators, but they tend to wait until there's a certain critical mass for them to join. My word for this, I've always called this, called this social gravity. When there are enough people involved, the quantity alone will draw them in. These folks are more cautious than the collectors. They're not really interested in the critics. Simple numerics are enough to elicit their participation. It's easy to say something like, wow, those lemmings are a lot like sheep. Okay, another terrible zoological mixed metaphor, but I think you know what I mean. There's nothing evil about being a joiner. God seems to have wired the 50% plus one rule into creation. And there are all kinds of studies of animals and humans that suggest that once the critical mass moves to just over 50%, the rest of the group will tend to follow. This seems to be true of birds in flocks, animals that herd, and politically minded people. They do not initiate. They join those who are already moving. Next up are the spectators. These people are not joiners. They want to be there, but only in case they might see something good. Their participation is limited to whatever it takes to get me close to the action. But their involvement is really at the surface level. They'd rather watch the show than be involved in it. So if a company or an organization has a bad run of events, they'll be there, only so that they have a front row seat to the mess. The problem with spectators is that even though they look involved, they're not. They tend to be there for the stories they get to tell. But because they're not deeply ingrained in the situation, their stories are not first person, guess what I did, but second or third person narratives about what others did and what they saw. So the final group for our purposes here are the inactives. Uh, 
I'd tell you what they do, but, well, you get it. A true inactive really isn't involved. They don't want to even be close enough to spectate. It's not really a word, but I have a PhD, so I can make them up. They don't even spectate. They're just there, uninvolved, and not actively participating. This doesn't mean that they're not good workers. They may be, but when it comes to any new initiative, they're not in. No thank you please, it only makes me sneeze, to quote one of my favorite philosophers. I have a few things to say about all of this, but and why not? I mean, it's what I do. But when you hear that list of the people in your neighborhood, I want you to understand why it matters. Creators, critics, sustainers, collectors, joiners, spectators, and inactives. See, if you're a leader and you're trying to initiate change, these are the people you have to deal with. Whenever you have a change that you have to lead, tap into the creators, the, co- the collectors, and the joiners to get that process off the ground. Once things get going and the training wheels come off, trust the sustainers and the joiners to keep things moving. It's easy to say this, but not always easy to do. If you can recruit the creators to what you're trying to accomplish, it's highly likely that they will jump in and make the first move. Recruit them first. Help them to see where you're going, what's important, and how we hope to get there. The plan is to get the collectors interested in the novelty of the situation. There's new stuff to learn, new opportunities. This is going to be awesome. See, the collectors are important because they're often seen as key influencers. Not always. Sometimes they use their superpowers to make other people feel inadequate. But when collectors use their tendencies to develop their skill and serve others, that's a great combination. The collectors can help the joiners to be willing to jump in. Now, I've talked about this in earlier episodes, but sharing stories of success can convince the joiners to live up to their name. Okay, but what of the critics? What's their value? Well, there's a tendency to say ignore the critics, but I would say ignore the critics to your own peril. Often, critics are the sustainers of a culture. They're critics because they know all of the accepted ways and why they work. That means they also know why your harebrained plan for change won't work. Now, harebrained is their word, not mine. But you have to have the smarts and self-confidence to listen to the critics. Don't let them shape your view of yourself and your competence, but listen to their concerns. Critics can keep you from crashing and burning. And all the risks that you never thought of, well, they've thought of them because that's their job. So when they're complaining, ask probing questions. Get them talking and figure out what they know that you don't know. And be willing to adjust your plans when you realize that there are some problems that need to be resolved in this. Now, we'll talk in a later episode about logical fallacies and how the mess you're in can keep you in the mess you're in. The critics can help you, though, as long as you keep an open ear and a discerning mind. Now, over the years, I've discovered that I'm a creator and not a sustainer. That matters because I know my own weaknesses and the fact that sustaining anything is difficult for me. This podcast, by the way, is relatively easy because it taps into being a creator. New material every week. See, it's important for us as leaders to know where we fall in the neighborhood. Chances are you recognized yourself in our discussion of creators, critics, sustainers, collectors, joiners, spectators, and inactives. Well, that's about it this time around. And In our next episode, uh, we'll talk about the leadership skills that are needed for each group 
and why it's important for you to get to know the real live people in your neighborhood. They're the people that you meet when you're walking down the street. They're the people that you meet each day. Thanks for joining us at Great Ridge Station. All content is developed by Dr. Sam Helgerson with appropriate citations of outside sources. Our sound engineer is Brick Martin. All background and bumper media is in the public domain and retrieved from archive.org. The opening music is from Guy Lombardo, Down by the River. The closing music is from Annunzio Montavani, Skyscraper Fantasy. I'm already looking forward to your next visit to Great Ridge Station. <laughs>